Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. If you want to do anything difficult that requires muscle, you have to build up those muscles first through practice and exercise. The same is true of your Christian muscles. In order to do great things through God, you have to practice and exercise your faith. In this week's message, Carol Miracle explains how we can build up those muscles and the benefits of doing so. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. We're going to start in Romans 12 and then move on to Philippians 4 if you want to get your fingers in the right spot. I gotta find Romans 12. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Lots of familiar words this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I, greatly, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in each and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to kind of start with a little story, a testimony. If you've known me for any length of time, you know a lot of the stuff I'm going to say. Um, but I'm sharing it because it, I think it really... Uh, illustrates the point I want to make this morning. Um, So if you've known me, especially if you know me on Facebook, I like to promote Camp Gladiator. It's an exercise program that started in Wills Point about 2016. It started in Austin a few years before that. I can't tell you the history. Um, But I started working out in May of 2016 with Camp Gladiator. Like I said, if you've known me any length of time, you know that I really like it a lot, and I encourage all my friends to join. But I want you to know when I started, um, some of the moves I couldn't do, not some of the moves, most of the moves I couldn't do. I couldn't hop. I couldn't do a sit-up. I couldn't do a push-up. 
when uh, we were told to run, we were, sometimes we were told at different times, you know, run from here to that cone and give me 50%. And then the next time you run, let's jump it up to 70%, and then 90%. I had one speed. I could walk, or I could walk a little faster, and that was it. There was no, there was no 60%, 70%, 80%. There's one there. Sprint? You gotta be kidding. Um, but I kept going. Um, it was fun. Uh, all the other campers were encouraging. Um, I, I had a good time out there. I started with five-pound dumbbells. I don't even have those anymore. I gave them away. I went on up to eight pounds, uh, started increasing those. But about a month after I started, I found out I had to have my gallbladder removed. And so if you, any of you had that surgery, it's, it's not as traumatic as it used to be a long time ago, but I still couldn't do core exercises. So my trainer, Robbie, had to modify, but I kept going. I couldn't do things like push-ups and anything that engaged my core. So she gave me modifications. Um, I went from those five pounds to eight. I went from eight to 10. Uh, I had more than one speed for running. I, I could give a 50 or a 70 or a 90%. Um, I could jump more than one time in a row. I mean, the first time she told us to jump, that's really what it was. I squatted down, I jumped, and I went, okay, that's it. That's all I got, I got one. And you want me to go to that cone, I, I can't do it. But after a year, I could, and I could run an entire mile without stopping. Uh, I went up to 10-pound dumbbells, and about the time I went up to 10-pound dumbbells, I started having some really serious issues with my hands. Uh, my fists looked like that. You could stick stuff through when I tried to make it, as, as much as I could clench my hands. I couldn't grab the covers at night to pull them up, and found out that I had rheumatoid arthritis. And so I had to work through some other modifications with Camp Gladiator for things I couldn't and couldn't do. I had to put the weights down altogether. I was so excited I had worked myself up to 10 pounds in the dumbbells. But then I kind of pushed through those modifications as well. A lot of you know I had surgery last year on both my feet, and that made another round of Camp Gladiator modifications. Um, I've gone up to 12 pounds on my dumbbells, and I even bought a set of 15s about two weeks ago. Um, I set a goal. I turned 60 this year. I usually don't advertise my age. I'm not shy about it, but I turned 60 this year, and I set a goal of competing in 5Ks, 60Ks worth, by the end of the year. I've done three, um, but I set some goals. Um, I'm not saying all this to put a spotlight on me or what I've done. It's a great exercise program. If you want to know more about it, I'd love to tell you. But what I used this for this morning is an example. That when I practiced, and when I kept going, and when I persevered through it, I was able to see some change. And in the last five years, weight's gone down, weight's gone up, it's going back down again right now. That, that, that all changes but I see things that I can do now that I couldn't do five years ago. It, it, it's made a difference. Um, Rusty and I, uh, you may or may not know, we've each had a parent with dementia. And when you look um, at how to prevent that, because we feel like it might be hereditary, I, I can't think of, well, it, it's, it's a horrible disease. And when you look at how to prevent it, Vigorous physical exercise is always at the top of the list. So we, we looked for, a, for a, a fix, if you will, what's going to help, and that was why we chose exercise. 
that's what keeps us going. And it's produced positive results in, in both our lives. Um, again, I'm not here to boast on that or make you think I'm some great athlete because I'm not. But I'm here to talk more about spiritual exercise. And really, the principles behind that are not any different than the principles behind physical exercise. The ideas of practice, um, perseverance, consistency in your Christian walk are the same ideas in physical exercise. Consistency. Get back up and do it. Just do it. So let's talk about some things, and i got to stop. I don't know what it is about being up here in front of you guys that makes my mouth just turn to cotton. But I came prepared, so pardon me for that. We're going to talk about what kinds of things are spiritual exercise, what's not spiritual exercise, um, benefits of spiritual exercise, and what are the consequences of, of not spiritually exercising. I'm going to start first by talking about what it's not. You're not getting spiritual exercise out there this morning. Sorry. Church is great. Listening to God's word proclaimed is a great thing. It's a good thing. It's not really spiritual exercise. It's not getting the attendance award by how many times you go to Sunday school. It's not knowing all the answers in a Bible study. It's not how many Bible studies you attend. Um, Paul describes in Philippians 3, 4 through 6, um, his accomplishments. If you'll back up in Philippians with me, he says, um, if anyone thinks, I'm sorry, I'm going me back up. What did I say? Four. Starting in verse four. He says, though I myself have reasons for confidence, putting confidence in what he's done. He says, if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So if you want to look at people who were checking all the right boxes, it was Paul. But this is what he says about all those spiritual accolades. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, trash. All those checkboxes that Paul was amazing at, he says it's trash in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. Um, two good sources. If you like Philippians, I'm going to recommend two things. I've done this Bible study two or three times. It's a Matt Chandler study. It says to live is Christ, to die is gain. If you just want to read the book, it's great. Want to do the Bible study? Greater. Again, it's not necessarily exercise, but at any rate, it's a great book. Um, I've advertised before, and so has Dave, about the Seedbed Daily Text. You can get an email every day in your inbox. This month, you know where he's been? Philippians, which worked out good for me. And um, he asks in one of the messages just this week, um, what are you putting into practice? He says, and I'm going to read a little bit out of his email, so let me ask you the hard question. What are you putting into practice? If you're anything like me, it's easy to read something, think about it, ponder it, enjoy it, be challenged by it, agree with it. And for the most part, you register an intention to do something about it, 
And then you check an email, send a few text messages, get busy doing other things, and all of a sudden it's tomorrow, and the process repeats itself. He says, let me ask you a harder question. What two or three things are you actively putting into practice for your Christian walk? Um, if you've been reading his text, he's going to go on here and say, we've covered a lot of ground. He's thrown a lot at us in this study on Philippians. It's impossible to put into practice all that has been discussed. And that's the problem with the, the so muchness of it all, he says. We can't do everything, so it's hard to know what to do or decide. We don't intend to not do anything with our Christian walk. But um, we're on a planet, he says, it's moving at 67,000 miles an hour before we even get out of bed. So it's easy just to learn, receive, and hear stuff in God's Word, which takes effort in itself. It's a lot harder to sustain practice. He says, all of the learning, receiving, and hearing, and seeing in the world will amount to less than nothing if we don't put it into practice. Um, our brother James has something to say about that. We're going to bounce around a little bit. And one, James chapter 1, verse 20 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So we got to do something with that experience of our faith. It's not just a New Testament concept either. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, familiar words as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That sounds like practice to me. What do you think? Kind of does. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. I always thought for the longest time that was a really strange way. What am I going to do? Wear the commandments on my head? I'm going to wear something on my hand? Here's how it was explained to me. Um, I've been listening to a Matt Chandler series on Revelation. He's had a whole sermon series on that, and it talks about the mark of the beast there as well that's on our foreheads and on our hands as well. And here's how Matt explains it. What's on our foreheads is what we think. What philosophies and thoughts do we adhere to and do we think about? What have we adopted already in our minds? Being on the hands is expressed with what we do. So God is telling us in the book of Deuteronomy that our thoughts ought to be his thoughts and our actions ought to reflect that. So do, practice. So what kinds of things can we do for spiritual exercise? Well, I think for one, you could start by reading God's Word. Um, Romans 12, we read already, talked about renewing and transforming our mind. I can't renew it if I'm not filling it up with something worthwhile. 
um, we have to renew our minds by spending time in God's Word. I think it's helpful if you read it out loud. I'm a fast reader, just that's just how I am, not everybody is. So when I read something for speed, I'm not saying every word in my head, I'm just reading to get through to read. But if I stop and read God's Word out loud, it's purposely going slower to take it in and to listen to what he says. Um, so spend some time in God's Word. Second, spend some time in prayer with God. And I'm going to echo the same thing. Say it out loud. When I um, commuted to Dallas all the time or when I was commuting to Forney all the time, um, that quiet time in the car was nice. I could sing as loud as I wanted to. <laughs> I could pray out loud. And I did. I missed that time, and I, I have to tell you, I'm failing at finding a replacement that was as good as being in the car by myself. I'm working on that. But say your prayers out loud. Nobody has to be there, or, or maybe they can, but say them out loud. Memorize some scripture. Yeah, and that's, I'm working on that too. Um, the Bible study that I've been leading on Friday nights is in First Peter. And I've been working on a verse, actually it's about three verses in First Peter that I don't have memorized yet, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna have it memorized and I'm gonna move on to something else. Memorizing scripture. If, if we're gonna defend our faith, how can we do that if we don't know what God's word says? And we're supposed to be defending our faith. I think it's equally important to share what God's done for us with others and not just with your Christian brothers and sisters, but with people who don't know Christ. You know, the, people can argue with you about how many days it took God to create the earth. They can argue with, did the whole world really flood when Noah built the ark? They can argue lots of things. What they can argue with you about is what God has done for you in your life and how your life is different because Christ is in it. They can argue with that. And when it's done with gentleness and kindness and with God's love truly radiating through you, They'll see it, and it'll make a difference. Um, this one's a little harder. I said, spend some time, soul-searching, vulnerable time with a small group of Christians that you trust. Spend time praying with each other, being accountable to each other. It doesn't have to be a big group. It can be two or three, probably no more than four. But I think everybody that's a Christian needs to have that little core group you can bond with, you can relate to, you can confess to. That's part of how we grow. This is important too, spending time in corporate worship, um, but not just sitting in a pew. One of the sermons I listened to from Tony Evans says, don't just come and sit and soak and sour. That's not accomplishing anything. But come and be part of what's going on. And I realized this past year, it's been much harder to be part and to invest yourself in what the church is doing because we've kind of been limited on, on what we can do. But that's changing, and we're going to be able to do, do that more. Sorry. Be an encourager to your fellow Christians than just being a grumbler. You know, Philippians is so full of stuff. I love this one. I used to read it to my kids. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. But there's a, there's a promise 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the words of life. We can turn the world upside down with an attitude that is positive, that is gracious, that is encouraging, and that's not whining. It makes a huge difference. Be receptive to new ideas and change. As long as it's bringing glory to God, change is great. Um, you know, we all have feelings about what kind of music we prefer in church or what kind of worship style we have. But, you know, the bottom line is, whatever our opinions are, the bottom line is, it's not about me. And I'm sorry, it's not about you. The bottom line is, this time we spend on Sunday morning is about Christ and how worthy he is of all our worship. So there's some ideas for what you can do for exercise. Um, benefits of exercise. And when I was reading this, I've heard this story. You know, you know the song. Um, the rain came down and the floods came up. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You guys know the song. You could probably sing it with me, right? We're not going to sing. It's okay. Don't worry. But in um, Matthew chapter 7, I should have told you it was going to be like Bible drill this morning. Jesus is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he has just talked a whole lot about being salt and light, about murder, not just being physical murder, but if we think it in our mind, it's the same thing. Um, if we're angry with our brothers and sisters, it's the same thing. He's talked about showing love to our enemies. He has talked about giving to the needy without showing off. He has talked about prayer and fasting. He's talked about storing up treasures in heaven and not worrying. And then in chapter 7, verse 24, he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Have you ever read that part before? I, I, I never have. Everybody who hears and we build our house on the rock and the floods come. I never heard it this way before. I don't know why. The word's always been there. I've had this Bible probably 30 years. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And let's talk about the other. Not practicing. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't want my house to fall with a great crash. But even Jesus tells me here that we have to practice. So the wise hear and practice. Um... I want to share, I think I've lost my place, I'm sorry. I want to share something from the Matt Chandler book also. Um, he talks about a lot of the words that Paul uses in the book of Philippians. Strain, press, work out. Go back, back in Philippians. 
in 2, starting with verse 12, he says, there, uh, Therefore, my dear, dear friends, have you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Um, Philippians 3, 12 not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All those words, stress, push, strain, it's, it's, it's a work. It's not sitting still and not listening. We have to practice, regular practice. Um, Paul tells us specifically and intentionally to think on better things. So here are some more things we can practice. And if we go back to chapter 4, he tells us to rejoice. And then he tells us to rejoice again. I think he means let's rejoice. He tells us to be gentle. We're not supposed to be in everybody's face. We're supposed to be kind and gentle. He tells us, don't be anxious. And let's listen to the result of those things. And then go back and reread it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the, here's the consequence and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you can see people strong in their faith that are living through tremendous situations, whether it's illness, whether it's death, whatever it is. They have God's peace because they've practiced. And God's peace is with them. And even though they may be sad and brokenhearted, they still have God's peace. The next part says, finally, brothers, um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about the stuff that goes into our minds every day, all day. Facebook, videos on YouTube, television, commercials. There's lots of stuff going in. But if we focus on the noble, pure, right, there's a result for that too. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put it into practice. There's that word again, practice. And here's the result. And the God of peace will be with you. Not just God's peace, but God himself. When I focus on the things he wants me to focus on, then he is with me. Not exercising or practicing means we're not going to experience that peace, and, and he won't be with us. Let me tell you one other thing about this section in Philippians that stood out to me, and, and I don't know when it popped out. It certainly was fairly recently. Um, I read verses 10 through 13 leading up to that, that verse, the, the coffee mug verse. You know the one. Um, but I want to focus on verse 12 in chapter 4. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He learned it, and he learned it because he practiced. That's how we learn. We learn by practice. Whatever we learn, when we learned our ABCs, when we learned to count, when we learned our times tables, we practiced. That's how we learned them. And Paul, even though we think of him as being super Christian, Paul and missionary to the Gentiles and all the wonderful through the words of God he's left behind for us, he had to learn um, how to be content in every situation, whether he had a lot or had a little. He learned that it's Christ being there with him that makes the situation bearable. Um, if you want to know what all Paul lived through, read Acts sometime. One of the things about the Matt Chandler study I was telling you about is you start watching the videos, and the guy doesn't start in Philippians. He starts in Acts. And you th you're thinking, well, why is he starting here in Acts instead of reading Philippians to us? But he starts in Acts because that's where people met the people in Philippi. Lydia, the Philippian jailer, the girl possessed by demons— all those stories are in Acts. And not just that, but all the stories of Paul being shipwrecked three times. Um, prison, beatings, people wanting to kill him. And he's sitting here telling us to rejoice in the Lord always and telling us again, rejoice. Um, Paul learned he can endure any and every situation through his faith in Christ Jesus. So back to physical exercise. I gave that illustration for a point. I had setbacks, and um, even though it was hard, I kind of pushed through them. Spiritually, we have setbacks, too. And the difference is how we react and push through. Do we have that pity party and just kind of mope and groan and don't make a decision to do anything, or do we just keep going? Do we rejoice and pray and don't worry? Think about Paul's words again. Strain, press on, work out. These are all words of action. Um, I told you I was trying to memorize those verses in First Peter, and, and I haven't. I haven't done it yet. It's been three or four weeks longer. I haven't done it. Um, I have a prayer group that we meet once a week on Sundays, and for one reason or another, we haven't met the past two or three Sundays. You know what? Satan doesn't want us to practice. He doesn't want my prayer group to meet. He doesn't want me or you, to memorize God's word, and he will throw any and everything in the way to distract you. And it just takes a little. It just takes a little bit of distraction to take your focus off of where it needs to be. He will fill our lives with busyness so that we don't focus on God. And it doesn't matter where you are in your walk. Start now. A couple weeks ago, Dave had a message about Peter and Jesus after the resurrection. You remember Jesus is asking Peter three times with different Greek words, do you love me? And it didn't matter how Jesus asked the question or how Peter responded. Jesus' response was basically the same. He said, feed my sheep. He says, no matter your level of maturity, Peter, no matter how bad you feel because you denied me three times, no matter how much you think you failed me, I think Jesus was telling him, don't stop practicing what I taught you. Um, that verse in 1 Peter, I have it here, and then I'm going to close with, some, I'm going to read something. 1 Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. 
That's a choice. I, I like the action words in it. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I'm working on that, and I will have it memorized. I want to share one thing. Um, a Camp Gladiator trainer shared on her Facebook page. Facebook is good for a couple things, but only a couple. But um, she's a really good, encouraging trainer. She's got such a sweet spirit about her. She is a Christian. She's not afraid to tell you that. Um, and she shared this um, blog from a site called Revelation Wellness. And it's a Christian-based exercise kind of website. They have blogs. They have exercise programs. But I read this on Dorinda's page, and I wanted to share it because it speaks exactly to what we're talking about this morning. It's a little long, so bear with me. It says, you've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. Perfection, very well, may not be the outcome of practice, but it's how we learn. By doing something over and over, we teach our minds, hearts, and bodies to engage on a level where things become second nature. By learning again and again a thousand times, things that were once foreign to us become like muscle memory flowing freely. But practice is hard. It's discipline. In order for something to become natural to us that was once unnatural, it takes supernatural strength and persistence. It takes dedication and care, and we can't stop there. We keep training. Even when we've learned something, we push forward with joy. Memorize one Bible verse? Keep training that brain muscle and go for a whole chapter. Ran a mile? Keep training those legs so you can stay strong even five miles in. And by doing these things, you will be changed. You'll be transformed. And always remember the most important outcome of practice and training in your life is becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit, but we participate by putting our muscles up against serious gospel resistance that the Lord calls us to. Church community, reading scripture, prayer, solitude, more. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind as it is fixed on Christ. And when do we do it? It says here, start practicing now. Show up now. Train hard now. Be faithful now. It's not easy, but the transformation will come. And this little article ended with this verse in 1 Timothy 4.8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Practice. It's an easy concept. It's, well, let me back up. It's simple. It's not always easy. But the reward is great. And it just takes our perseverance to keep coming back. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of his truth as you journey through this day.